0: Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, November the 30th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Kenny Stills gives us a headline to bicker about over the weekend. We'll discuss his comments and the long-term ramifications of that comment, plus an extensive Twitter mailbag, and I am officially in Miami by the time you guys hear this podcast. But real quick, before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, follow me on Twitter at wingfield NFL, follow the show at Locked on Fins. and of course check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Our staff editor, Jason Harina, has a great piece up there live on the blog right now. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat Podcast and Locked On NFL Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And while there are injury updates, I'm recording this podcast a little bit earlier on Thursday as I plan for the trip down to South Florida. So no injury updates for the game. You guys can find those on Twitter and, of course, on LockdownDolphins.com. Let's go ahead and get this thing cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins! And first down on the Friday edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast is brought to you by my bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid, and... I didn't think we were going to have a lot to talk about on the podcast today, but Kenny Stills changed that for us. He pretty much broke Twitter mid-afternoon with a comment that he made at his press availability. Plenty of Dolphins coaches and players spoke on Thursday to the press, and we'll get to Kenny Stills' comments here in a minute. And before we do that, just real quick, we've had our fair share of complaints about plenty of the players on this team that are producing at a level lower than I think many of us expected them to perform at. And the one that no one seems to really talk about and i assume that's probably because he's universally respected by players, fans and media alike is kenny stills. kenny has 20 catches on the year. That's insane. That's an insanely low number for a guy who literally efficiently from the numbers has been the most efficient deep ball receiver since he came into the nfl with the saints back in 2013, and now he's seeing production even lower than what he had in his first year here when he was miscast in Bill Lazor's offense back in 2015. Now, a lot of that has to do with Brock Osweiler. We all know how bad Brock was in his five-game stretch as he played in replacement of Ryan Tannehill. Kenny Stills was invincible during that stretch. He saw six targets during Brock Osweiler's five starts. I mean, paying a guy eight million dollars to get one target per game is just insane. I can't I can't describe enough how bad that's that's why I keep using the same word for you guys. It's insane. Pure insanity. But it is interesting that Kenny's comments on Thursday came after Ryan Tannehill's first start back in the lineup, a game where Tannehill did miss one deep shot, potentially open deep shot to Kenny Stills. He didn't throw the ball, just chose to go somewhere else with it. And that's a contention that I have with Ryan Tannehill, is that he's quick to take the one. In a progression read, you have a one, two, and three. On the backside, you'll have one and two, depending on how the how many guys are out in the route. And Tannehill loves taking the first read, which most quarterbacks do. Playing quarterback is tough, and getting through progressions and finding things that happen before they do with how fast guys move in this league, it's tough. So Tannehill, more often than not, will take the easy throw compared to letting things develop and seeing if he has to come back to the early progression after finding out things down the line didn't work as far as the second and third progression, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that he really never had a great offensive line in Miami, so getting the football out quick was always paramount, but Kenny Stills having these comments after Tannehill gets back into lineup. And of course, he did miss the one throw. a missed dig route on that famed second to last drive of the game. The first time that they ran a third and 10 draw or a run play, I should say, while the game was still very much in question for both teams on that final drive for the Dolphins or the final two drives. But here's what Kenny Stills had to say in his press availability on Thursday. This comes from Armando Salguero's Twitter. Kenny Still says, quote, I couldn't tell you exactly why I'm not getting more targets. I can tell you I'm getting open, end quote. And then another quote, there are other guys getting open on plays too that just aren't getting hit. I can't throw the ball to myself. That last part there, I can't throw the ball to myself. That was the one that really broke Twitter. And every single Dolphins beat writer had that on their timeline. And like I said, it really blew up on my timeline. And pretty much every Dolphins fan out there saw it and had a comment on it. So whether or not you agree with Kenny Stills, it just points to more finger-pointing, more locker room type of toxicity. It doesn't sound good. He went on to continue to say, We all get frustrated, but I'm a team guy. Always have been. Whatever we got to do to win. And I would never point to Kenny Stills as a diva or a guy that says stuff that he shouldn't say. He's a very bright, respectable young man. And he did come back into the media room, which is a very strange thing to do. I've actually never heard of this. A player coming back in to clarify something they had said in their previous press availability. So he walks back into the media room and clarified that he was not throwing any quarterback under the bus when he spoke of not being able to throw the ball to himself, saying, quote, there's no single person we can point the finger at, Kenny Still said, end quote. So... It sounds like he's just frustrated. I think the entire offense is frustrated. We did hear about several receivers and running backs and players that were concerned about Brock not being able to get them the football. But it sounds like last week in Indianapolis, the offense did score three touchdowns, but some of the passing game, the passing game hasn't really been there most of the year for the Dolphins. So I imagine all these guys, all these pass catchers are getting pretty upset. But what Kenny Still says by that, I just think that it really points to a lack of a future in Miami for Ryan Tannehill. And I know, like I said, it's more about Brock, but I think that it says something about Tannehill too. And I do have it on good authority, as I have told you guys, that Tannehill probably isn't in the Dolphins' future plans. Adam Gaze is separating himself from Ryan Tannehill, and that's kind of been the case since the injury in the Bengals game when he had that blow up in the press conference when he said he was sick of talking about the guy, and that Teddy Bridgewater is their free agent target, and I'm sure they'll draft someone somewhere along the line as well. I think Adam Gaze is going to get one more chance to kind of scapegoat somebody, and this time it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, a lot of Dolphins fans' favorite player, one of my favorite players over the last several years too. He deserved better. I don't think he's going to get better in Miami. I just hope he can go somewhere where people appreciate him and he has a chance to really excel and flourish because he needs a good team around him for himself to do that. And he's never gotten that in Miami. Now, as far as what this stuff says about the Dolphins' locker room culture and the entire idea of rebuilding this culture around a central unit of guys that can rally around each other and lift each other up, does that seem like it worked at this point? Kenny Stills is the one saying this. Kenny Stills, the nicest guy in the world, the best human in that locker room. And he's out here saying these things and it just makes you wonder how much finger pointing is going on inside that locker room, offense versus defense or whatever it is. It just sounds bad to me. I think this team is in for another one of those half-rebuilds, which I hate. I think you should flush it all down the toilet if you're going to do it at all. And Lewis Riddick from ESPN agrees the same thing. Either flush it all out or keep going the same direction because half-rebuilds always get you in this position where you're finding a new GM who doesn't mesh well with the coach or vice versa. It just seems like there are some murky, murky times ahead in Miami. And we're going to be down in South Florida to cover all this stuff for you guys the next couple of weeks as we make our pilgrimage to Miami. But next on the podcast here, we're going to get into a sizable Twitter mailbag for you guys to close out the week. And we'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It is championship weekend in college football and of course week 13 in the National Football League. And this time of year, things get heated up, especially... When you open an account through MyBookie, the best bet you'll make all season long. MyBookie has been in business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is very easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been great to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since MyBookie is currently slammed with new bettors and wants to give everybody the best possible customer. Customer service. If you deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. Hold out until after 7 o'clock and get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra candy. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Friday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, November the 30th, the last day of November coming down the home stretch here. December is on deck. We have five Dolphins games left, and I hope we all can enjoy them because the football season comes and goes way too fast. Seems like it goes by faster every single year. And on the podcast today, like I said, didn't have a lot to talk about, but Kenny Stills changed that. And you guys, as you always do on Twitter, helped me change that. We have 20 questions to get to here, I think, give or take. Let's go ahead and kick it off. And the first one here comes from a longtime fan of the podcast, a longtime friend on Twitter. He actually used to write into our analysis podcast back when Kevin Dern and I hosted that podcast, but it's Corey Ashburn at Corey13. What's going on, Corey? Hope everything's good with you and your family, dude. His question is, there have been a lot of fans wishing we'd tank. Personally, developing a losing culture isn't worth it. Chiefs, Rams, Eagles, Bills, and Texans all got their starting quarterbacks outside the top 10. Plus, look how bad all the quarterbacks drafted early have been. What's your opinion on tanking? That's a great question because it's really an ambiguous line you have to walk in terms of what is the long-term impact in terms of trying to attract free agents or just be a place that players want to be. That's a very important aspect in the league. So I definitely see where you're coming from, Corey. But at the same time, there are things that can happen throughout the course of a football game that won't necessarily deter the players or their motivation. I think what motivates players today is money. And that's that's just basically what it is. And if they play well enough and, t- and their team takes care of other guys in front of them, they'll be motivated enough to play for that organization and get the reward at the end. But what I'm talking about is like missing field goals, for instance, or maybe just going for it on fourth downs. There are things you can do to keep the competitive advantage within your organization, but also find a way to, I guess, alter the results on the field on Sunday I don't think teams do this very much, if at all. I think the Colts did it back in 2011 with Andrew Luck. I think the Giants might have done it on Sunday against the Eagles. I don't know. The way that game went, I felt like they kind of gave that game up. But if it was me, I'm always trying to win every single Sunday. But I also want to have the long-term ramifications. And I think that going from like the 7th or 8th pick... Into the top three is worth it, but if you're trying to tank to get from like the 15th pick up to the eighth pick, that's not worth it. So it just depends on a bunch of different mitigating factors. And I think that getting into the top three is the only time I'd ever want to kind of intentionally lose games late down the stretch. Next question comes from Yvonne at iSweetheart. How many yards for LaShawn McCoy? I was pretty surprised to see his numbers. He's actually on pace for career lows across the board this year, and good for him because he's kind of a POS human. I don't really care for the guy too much. As far as his yardage output on Sunday, I'll say he gets. I, I think they're gonna shut the running game down on this one. I think the Dolphins defense comes to play. I'll give him 55 rushing yards on Sunday on several carries. Next question comes from my good buddy Mike, he's at Mike PS78 underscore NFL. Make fins great again is his uh title. Cranberry sauce or no? No, dude, get that stuff out of here. I talked about it on the Thanksgiving podcast. Turkey stuffing mashed potatoes and gravy and green bean casserole. That's all I need. And my roll, of course, and a nice like whiskey to go along with that. So no on the cranberry sauce. Next question comes from Trent at Trent T M I A. What's your thought on Rashawn Gary? Could he fall to us in the drafts and draft around picks 12 and 16? I accidentally answered the question on Twitter, but I'll say it again. Yes, go get him. If he's there, go get him. He's awesome. We could use a him or a guy like Ed Oliver to really change the complexion of that front seven. Will he be there in 12 to 16? He might. It's a deep defensive line class, so we'll see how it plays out. Next question is from John Langjun. I hope I said that right. I probably get it wrong every single time. At Langjun, Minka is playing well and has filled in at three roles, outside corner, safety, and slot corner. Should we move forward with him planning on being a full-time corner or safety? What do you see as being the bigger priority in the secondary moving forward? I think that... I would just keep using him the way they have because he's so good in playing the slot and safety. He got beat by T.Y. Hilton a few times, like I mentioned, but he was in good position. I think just continue to develop him in all three spots, and then you can approach it wherever, as, wherever the, the most available position as far as safety or cornerback on free agency or in the draft. Just approach it that way, and then you can move Minka around accordingly. So just use his versatility going forward. Next question comes from RH at Ralph Harper, 1965. The March to Fire Gaze and replace Ryan Tannehill, 17, with whoever is rampant. People are screaming for Bridgewater. What has he done? I'm seeing a guy as injured as RT, 17, with with way less experience. What do you think, Travis? Well, I've covered this several times on the podcast, but I think that Teddy really showed strides this preseason. And I know people are going to say, well, it was preseason, but you can just watch the footwork, the decisiveness the touch passing that he had, the anticipation. I think he came a long way in terms of his mental aptitude for the game when he had the time off, just like we talked about with Ryan Tannehill coming back. And the truth is, no one really knows what he is. So it's kind of a gamble. I get get that point entirely. But at least we... I guess there's more upside there because Ryan Tannehill is showing us this year that he is what he is, and he's probably not going to get better than that anytime soon. Next question comes from Nick Robb at They Call Me Dragon. Does Miami really struggle to develop talent, or is the talent overinflated because the consistent lack of talent on the roster year over year? Basically, which is more MIA, Mike Wallace or Wes Welker? Um. I think you're just asking if it's the coaching or the players that are causing all these problems. I don't think Miami has really had players improve under this current regime. I mean, Laramie Tunzel, Xavier, and Howard both did, but they were kind of expected to do that on their own accord. I think Jesse Davis is a good example. Bobby McCain's a good example of guys getting better on the roster throughout the course of this current regime. But still, I just haven't seen the development of many guys. And the fact that they cannot develop an offensive line for what, like in any sense of the word, they can't develop offensive line play on the interior, that continues to really baffle and puzzle me. Next question comes from Courtney uh, Jonathis at Courtney J underscore media. Which free agents do you think the Dolphins should look at to target in the offseason outside of quarterbacks? I can't give you specific names because I just haven't gotten to that point yet, Courtney. But I will say the Dolphins are figured to really attack aggressively on the defensive front seven, I think they'll be very active on the defensive line. I think tight end has to be in play, interior offensive line, and then I think safety could come into play too. So just, I don't have names for you yet, but down the line, we'll definitely look into that on the podcast. Next question from Oliver at Brazil Candido. What quarterback in this draft class would blossom with gaze and sitting behind Tannehill for a year? I think the quarterback that kind of piques my interest and definitely not in the first round, but probably as a second round prospect would be Drew Locke because he has the insane arm talent, just ridiculous, ridiculous arm talent. And I don't feel too bad taking a gamble in the second round on a guy like that and seeing if you can develop the mental side. Now, all this scouting stuff that I do or other people do, it's all kind of half-assed because... What's most important is who the guy is as a person. How is he as a competitor? And that's what I love about Baker Mayfield so much, just the fact that he was so intense and had that chip. And you could tell he played with that chip and it elevated the game of himself and his teammates around him. If we can find a guy like that, that's the one that I want. I just don't know who it is yet. Next question here comes from Chris Larondo at extortion, recommendations on what to do this weekend in South Florida. Hey, if anyone has any recommendations for me, go ahead. I've been there twice. I was 16 and 21 when I was there. So I'm all ears for recommendations. I don't have a good answer for you. Next question here from Alex Blair at Kaiser Finfan Boobies or booty? I'm a butt guy, man. As Adam DeMamp once said on Workaholics, butts rule. And that's what I'm going with. Next question here from Frank F at F Fiorno one. What position do you think Mika ends up next season and who will be the odd man out if he plays a large percentage of snaps? Like I, I answered this already as far as cornerback safety slot play everywhere. I think TJ McDonald is the guy that ends up getting the boot. And I think that's a pretty much given at this point. Okay. We got to take a break here real quick guys in the podcast. I will get back to the rest of these questions. We still have several more to get to. We'll do that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins it's the final segment of the friday podcast the final november podcast for the year as we Forge on into December. We're doing some Twitter questions here. Let's go ahead and jump right back in. The first question I have on this side comes from Angel Contreras. At a underscore Contreras eighty eight, do the Dolphins have the foundation to build a consistent contender, or do we have to try to win a Super Bowl all in one season like the Rams in 17 or Rams this year or the Eagles in 17? That's a great question because I love the way the Rams approached this year. Like they could have been content with just having Josh Reynolds start on the outside for them, but they said, no, forget that. We're going after Brandon Cooks. The Indomitian Sue signing, Marcus Peters, to Tlaib. I, I love that approach. Go get that championship while you have a chance. Now, as far as consistent success, that really doesn't happen in the NFL, man. I, I wish we could say that it does. I mean, New England, it does. Obviously, the Steelers have been pretty great for a long time. There's a couple others that have had good runs, but also have years that they come back to the, to the pack, so to speak, but... Not not yet. They have a good foundation, I believe in, but they're going to have to get more and keep on adding more draft pieces and some more free agent hits to get to that point to where they're a consistent contender year in and year out. Next question comes from Octavio Mendez L at Oct- Octo84. With all the analysts, analysis you've given us of Gaze reading between the lines, and his results, what do you expect for 2019? Do we even watch, or do you think there's one last chance to him for him to learn from his mistakes? Look, coaches can learn just like players can, so I believe in the idea that he could progress and get better. I just haven't seen it play out in any way, shape, or form. If he shows us something on the last five weeks where he starts playing the right guys, different personnel packages, I don't know, whatever it might be, sure, I, I can see it happening, but I do think that. Things could get worse before they get better. And it could be the third time in a row we fire a coach midseason in his fourth year. So I am not super optimistic, but there's always a reason to watch. There's always things to evaluate. Next question from Steve Rucker at Rucker23. What bands do you like other than Coheed and Cambria? I love the Kings of Leon. I'm a a Kings of Leon lifer. I was kind of the uh, hipster, so to speak. Their first album, loved it. And then they got big three albums later, but they are my guys. I'm a big fan of some of the classics. Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, the top two there. A couple of bands I play on the podcast quite often. Thank You Scientist or an unsigned band. uh, Mandroid, Equistar, same deal. They are a very small time band as well. There's, there's tons of them. Silver Sun Pickups. I was an emo guy back in the day, Taking Back Sunday, The Used, all those types of bands. And of course, my probably longtime favorite, Red Hot Chili Peppers, back from their older stuff. Next Question here if comes from Conflict at Conflict TD. What would you do in the offseason? What is your outlook on Tua and the chances the Dolphins get him? Well, he's not eligible till 2020, so they're going to have to find a way to get more draft picks in this year's draft by trading back. That would be my focus, probably trying to acquire more capital for 2020. As far as this offseason, I, I mentioned the defensive line, offensive line, safeties, and tight ends. That'll be the focus. Specific players, I don't have anything for you on that just yet. Next question comes from K Finn eighty-four at K Devil Finn eighty four. If gaze is let go following the season, will Ryan Tannehill be out with him? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent There's no question about if Gaze leaves, Tannehill will go too. Next question, I never get your name right. Uh at race Deliana R. What's your silliest superstition slash in game ritual? I don't like superstitions. I mean, I, I I'm guilty of them sometimes but I do know that they have no impact on the game. Like for instance, my cat was sitting next to me last week. And so I tried to get her to come sit next to me more. And then I realized like, this is stupid. Why do I care? So I try not to be superstitious, although I can be. It used to be wearing a certain jersey, sitting in a similar spot throughout the course of the game. But now I don't really have any. Next question comes from Dennis Steele at Dennis Steezy. Uh, need to worry about the Bills' physicality. Seems like we always get punked. Yeah, their defense is going to bring it. Jordan Phillips is going to bring it. So Dolphins are going to have to match that for sure. Need to win the game and win the game in the trenches and run the ball successfully against the Bills and stop their run as well. Alright, last question here it comes from every team I love dies at not the fake KTA. Which drink should I choose when trying to get the taste of disgust out of my mouth after watching Miami fail in yet another meaningful game? A paint thinner, B bleach, C the liquid at the bottom of a stadium trash bag. Oof. Uh Let's go with the bleach because it probably kills you the fastest and I don't want to drink any of those things. So just take the death immediately and check on out. Okay, that's our Twitter mailbag. Once again, thank you guys for doing that for me. Really appreciate the information you bring there as well as the content that we provide on the podcast through the Twitter mailbag. And by the time you guys hear this podcast, I will either be on an airplane or in Miami. And so with that, with this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and check out of here. The next time you guys hear from me will be live from the stadium or post game at home at my Airbnb. But as for now, I got to get out of here. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for a recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. When we dress the kill, every time the ladies pass, they be like hey, y'all feel me. All ages and races, real sweet faces, every different nation. Spanish, Asian, Indian, Jamaican, Black, White, Cuban, or Asian. I only came for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing.